Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shy hearts welcome to episode 124 of meet us at molly's today we are going to cover episodes eight so 508 808 and 708. I had to think about that. <laughs> As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. Once again, sorry for the delay about this episode. Um, you know, just in case you missed it, we did drop our interview with Marina Scorciati on Friday. We got to speak with her. That was pretty great. Coming off of the Berzik Baby News, which I'm still just like reeling about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all we're going to talk about tonight. I really still can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk, we'll save that discussion for later, but yeah. So as always, we like to start with the news, and we've actually got a lot this week. We had quite a bit of stuff. Granted, I think a lot of it was Berzik Baby related, but going into the fall finales, we're getting a lot of preview articles. Yeah, and there was that NBC event, so like, Tori was there, and Miranda was there, although I'm not seeing anything from Jesse, although he was there. Um, but yeah, so a lot of stuff came out of that too. Oh my God. Can we please appreciate that green suit for a moment? Can we please appreciate the fact that you thought it was black for a second? Okay. But like I was in the middle of something when I sent you that message, it didn't like register in my mind that it was green. Oh my God. But it's like a beautiful green. It, uh, I just, mm, he looks so good. That's, that's a thing ship is Jesse in suits right there. Oh, well, Jesse in that green suit specifically. Yeah. I, I very much appreciate a man who can rock a colored suit. That is tough to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that picture of him and Miranda and Charlie Barnett, just like, all the feels. Just like, yeah, I definitely like, was like, BRB, I'm going to imagine an alternate universe where Mills and Stella work at 51 at the same time. And our BFFs. Oh, we yeah. definitely spent like 20 minutes discussing that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Kid would have been such a, like, I want to say like a bad influence on Mills, but only like, I feel like she would have been the, the devil on his way. shoulder. In the best way. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, oh my goodness. I need it in my life. Charlie Barnett, please come back. Please. Please. <laughs> please. At Derek, at NBC, at Beyonce. Like, whoever can make that happen. <laughs> so... First bit of news we have is from Us Weekly. Chicago Med's Tori DeVito sheds light on Manstead's future. Sometimes love is, and I quote, not enough. Tori. Damn. <laughs> so yeah. she's quoted in this article saying, you know, she just says, I just think Natalie has so much trauma in her dating life. You know, I think we forget if we go back to the pilot, she lost her husband while she was pregnant. There's some trauma that she's not dealing with. Just like, thank you for someone finally remembering that. Because I feel like that does get lost a lot, and yeah, glad she remembers it. Yeah, that that is definitely part of the trauma. And, you know, Tori said, she's like, even if she feels deep in her heart that Will might have her best interests at heart, I think it's just all too much for her. Natalie was left at the altar in her wedding dress, and then he showed up all bloody. Um, side note, he also got blood on the dress. I will never get over that. He got blood on the frickin' dress. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be like... And the fucking couch. It's your new thing. He got blood on the dress. I just, I can't even. Wedding dresses are expensive, okay? Like, have some oh, fucking respect. 
yeah. Or Tori says she's like, Nat's not even going to therapy. Like, get her some therapy. Get them both in couples therapy and individual therapy. Amen to that. Yeah. Also, coming up on the one year anniversary of that episode. Seriously? Yeah, it's been a year. Oh my god. I know. Wild. Where has time gone? I know. I can't believe it. But yeah, it's almost been a year. That was the fall finale last year. Holy shit. I know. If Will hadn't gone off with FBI guy and, you know, shot himself in the foot, then Manstead would be coming up on their one-year anniversary. Would that wedding have actually happened, though? Probably not. Without, was it Ray? Is that his name? Yeah. Without all the Ray stuff? Yeah. I feel like we would never know, though, because the whole time they were planning the wedding, Will was so distracted. But they were not, my point being, they were not ready to get married then. I'm not saying that they're not meant for each other, but they were not married to, they were not meant to get married then. Hmm. I don't think. I think they're meant to be together, but I don't think they were ready to get married. Yeah, that's an, it's, that's such an interesting point, because I feel, we're going to touch on this when we talk about Berzik too, because I mean, with the Berzik maybe like, I feel like it just kind of put the Berzik relationship under a microscope this week. Oh, yeah, we have a lot to discuss when it comes to that. Oh, no, big time. But I'm just saying, like, that whole that whole idea of, you know, they're just not ready right now, it just brings up some talking points for me that I'm just kind of like, that's an interesting thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I believe that they weren't married. I, I believe that they're meant to be together. I believe that they weren't meant to get married last year. Hmm. Hmm. don't know. So Tori says, as for the Philip storyline, she's not sure if viewers have seen the end of him. She said, who knows if we've really gotten rid of him. He comes back, not him himself, but a big part of him comes back and kind of shakes Natalie even more in the upcoming episode. What on earth does that mean? So we're not seeing Ian Harding again, but like part of him comes back. Like, I really don't know what that means. Is he in like a horrible crash and like just his arm comes back or like... I I don't know. Or like the memory of him kind of haunts her? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. So weird. I have questions though. I know. So weird. Really weird. I know. Yeah. I don't know. So elsewhere, we got an article out of Hollywood Life from Miranda. Um, she did the press event this week in New York. Bryna, will you take us through this one? Yeah, so, I mean, she talked about, you know, Stellar Eye, and she talked about Dawson's return, um, but about Stellar Eye, she was just saying, you know, I'm so happy about it, I think fans are happy about it, and it's refreshing, considering where their relationship's been. In their relationship, we've seen him spiral, and she's a rock, but we haven't really seen too much of their relationship where she's spiraling, and he's sturdy foundation. Um, you know, she was just saying that it's really beautiful that we get to see that, and I agree, like, Stellar has been, like, one of my favorite things in just, like, all 2019 television. Like, oh, I love them so much. You got this, still a kid. <sighs> I love it. I know. Trash. Support the yeah. But actually, though. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then she was talking about, she was asked about, you know, Dawson coming back next week. Um, and she said, you know, I think the two characters that are affected most are Brian Casey, we see them doing this dance of managing their emotions, and I think they're both trying not to get too excited, too attached, and they're also feeling a little bit confused from the emotional adventure that they have been dancing in with each other. 
And she was like, I'm so excited to see it on screen because they're both phenomenal actors. So when we were shooting it, you could totally see where all, all of it where Casey is thrilled to see her. And then there's a part of him that's like, you broke my heart. Um, and he's like, we never really, she said, you know, we've never got to see him process it, which I think is true to a lot of firefighters realities and the emotional stress they endure and go through with this job. And she just was praising Jesse Spencer's acting in this episode, which I'm really excited to see. I love it. I love it. And the promo photos for this episode, I don't know what it was, but the minute that I saw that first picture of Monica and Jesse back together, like, I felt so fiercely protective of Casey. And I was like, she's just going to hurt him all over again. Like, this isn't fair. He's moved on. And now he's going to reopen all these wounds. And I don't know what came over me, but I felt like so protective in that moment. Well, I feel like yeah, I did too in some way. And I feel like what Miranda's saying here is true. Like, you know, we saw him do it a little bit, but like, we never really saw him process it. Right. And I mean, I think in some ways, him like shoving it aside was him processing it, but like, we never really saw him like go through all the emotions. And so if we get to see a little bit of that next week, I'll be really excited. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even have, I mean, you guys know, like, I had my feelings about Dossie. I liked them, but I wasn't, like, a total stand for Dossie. Um, but even just seeing those pictures, I was like, wow. Like, it, like, bring, it, like, tugs up your feelings a little bit. It really does. Just because, I mean, their history, you just can't ignore that. Right. And, again, like I said, again, I have my feelings. I like them, but I wasn't a stand for them. And I do like the idea of Brent and Casey. But even see, just seeing those pictures, it's like, wow, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, this was an important part of fire, and it's like really nice to see it back, even if it's only going to be for one episode. Yeah, I mean, and they had they had a beautiful love story until that mm-hmm. very end. I mean, their yeah. love story up until that very last episode of season six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, their, their love story right up until the season six finale was beautiful, and so to see them back together and like you see all that history between them, it definitely makes you feel. Yeah, all the feels. All of the feels, yes. Well, just that picture, too, where she's being embraced by Stella, and, like, everyone's, like, so excited to see her. It's like, get you a friend that is excited for you as 51 is about Gabby Dawson's return. I know. Even Gallo is, like, smiling big. I just love how Gallo is like, cool, more history about the firehouse. <laughs> oh, my God, Gallo. Yes. Oh, my precious little bean. Little Firehouse 51 cinnamon roll. I love him. Tuesday's the mascot. Gallo's the cinnamon roll. Oh my god, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Protect at all costs. Protect at all costs. That needs to be a t-shirt. It does. <laughs> it does. I will get on that at some point. So... <laughs> not all the news we've got this week you guys know the drill if you see anything just send it to us a lot of articles that dropped this week were pretty much just reiterations of you know the fire pd or the fire mid-season finale the med season mid-season finale um and so yeah and we'll talk about like the marina tv line and our interview and the rick eye interview when we get to pd stuff oh my god we have all of the tea to spill when we talk about pd yeah, but we'll save that for the PD conversation, so. Yeah, so. In the meantime, let's start off with Med, shall we? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, as I always. No, this was a crazy episode. So, 
let's start off with Maggie and Ben. Because, again, we met Ben in 507 and immediately fell in love with him. Because he's got uh, game and it's just adorable and he's awesome. Except now we have to already give him up. It's just like, <sighs> can we not? This is literally why we can't have nice things. Right? And like, ugh, my heart breaks for Maggie. I know. I know. So Ben has the measles, um, which would be fine if it hadn't turned into a pneumonia. And the pneumonia part would be fine, too, if his immune system wasn't so weak from the chemo. I didn't realize we still had to worry about measles. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I would think if he was, I'm guessing he was vaccinated, but, like, the chemo kind of undid that, maybe? Well, yeah, that's what they were saying. Something along those lines that I, hashtag science that I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, um, I just, yeah. I didn't realize it was still, like, a thing. I, I mean, I know I've been vaccinated for it, but it was just like, okay. Like, and then I just forget about it. So, literally, Maggie and Ben are having, like, a meet-cute with Natalie, and it literally escalates from, like, oh, this is Ben, this is Natalie, to Natalie being like, yeah, this is what's going to kill you, and you only have days left. That right. like escalated very quickly. Well, it's just, like, the most Natalie way to, like, give bad news, too. It's just like, oh, Natalie, like... <laughs> There were a lot of aspects of this story with Maggie and Ben that made me laugh, and most of it, the parts that made me laugh, were had to do with Natalie, like all of them. Because, like, I'm like, I'm over there, like, so sad. I'm like, no, I don't want to part with Ben yet. Like, this is heartbreaking. Maggie deserves to be happy. And then Natalie's like getting on Maggie's case for something she did like last week, and I'm just like, stop it. Can we not? Yeah, yeah. (sighs) So Ben just really wants to go home. But protocol demands that he remain in quarantine because of the measles crisis and it's so bad. And so I think at one point Goodwin's like, well, you know, my hands are tied. It's the law. I'm sorry. Um, do you know what show you're on, Sharon? Right. Do you know what hospital you run? <laughs> law? Rules? What are those? Right. Now you want to enforce the law. I know. I know. Meanwhile, while that's going on, Ben is just like saying things to Maggie and just like, we've only known him for one episode and it's like, we're already attached. Right, and it was, like, too, it's one of those things. I thought he was going to die in this episode. Same. Which I'm glad he did, but it's, like, it's just, like, I, I, like, this was so predictable, but it still, like, broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Just, like, in the middle of the episode, I was, like, why is it that this guy I've only known for one episode is making me want to, like, ugly cry? I think it's because it's not even so much about him as it is about Maggie and how much, you know, we all love Maggie and she's been through so much and both relationship wise and not relationship wise. And we just want her to be happy. And if he's going to be the guy to make her happy, well then fuck that. Like he deserves to be alive. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. And so Maggie loops in Natalie and she asks Natalie to change Ben's chart to post infectious. Maggie, you genius. But then, I know, but then, I, I feel like, I mean, yeah, part of this is definitely Maggie being like, Natalie, you're my friend. But I feel like the other part of this is like, Natalie, you have a propensity to disregard every rule that's ever been made. Right, exactly. And then so when Natalie's like, no, I can't do that. It's against the law, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was like, who are you and what did you do with Natalie meeting? I know, I know. When she's like, this is about what we owe the public. I was like, bullshit. <laughs> I was like, Natalie, 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 like, how hard did you hit your head again? Like, 
I know. Who are you? Does, I mean, does, like, does Natalie not know, like, that what she does in general is not normal? That, like, locking yourself in the room with a six-year-old patient is not a healthy thing? Right. Well, the thing is, too, it's, like, again, he's gonna die in, like, five days. So what does it really matter? I mean, I, I know it matters that, like, he can absolutely infect people if he goes outside and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get that. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's gonna, like, let the man have his dying wish to die in his own bed. For God's sakes. Right, no, and I agree. It, was, it wasn't it was until they pulled up to his door that I was like, okay, I get it now. Right, but it's still just like, uh, Natalie. Well, I think even if then, like, I agree that once I saw it, I was like, oh, right, like, this is not a good idea. But it's like, now it could have gone about maybe saying no in a better way. I don't, I mean, I think in that instance, there's probably no best way to say no, but it just makes me laugh that Natalie will only, well, I mean, I, I mean, it shouldn't make me laugh, but Natalie will only disregard the rules and the laws when it benefits her. Right. Right. Just like, oh, Natalie, I can't. I know. I can't. I know. Cannot deal with you. Nope. Nope. So Maggie is just like, fuck this shit, and she forges Natalie's signature. Once again, Maggie, you genius. I'm so proud. I mean, I am too, and I feel like we're not supposed to be proud, but I'm proud. I'm so proud. I don't care. I mean, it's the one hand when I first saw that I was like, Maggie, what do you do? But then you sit there and think about it, and you're like, no, fuck that. I'm proud of you, Maggie. You do you. I feel like Maggie was like, no, I know how Natalie ticks. Fuck this. I'm doing it. Well, it's also like, I want to be a part of, I, I'm on staff at Chicago Med. Like, I can do what I want. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, if everyone else is going to do it, then I'm going to do it too. Yeah. And so when Maggie takes Ben home, it just so happens, like, he lives in, like, the Chicago version of Romper Room. There's, like, kids and babies everywhere. I'm like, dude, Ben, where do you live? Am I supposed to know what that is? Yeah. Youngins. Yeah, it was, like, a show for kids and babies, and, like, oh, Bryna. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. I'm going to Google this so I can give you, like, the full description. Bryna, take, oh, over, I... take over for a second so I can Google this and give you a full explanation. Okay. So, yeah, so, like, they see it, and they see, you know, everyone around it. They kind of get that idea in their head. They're like, oh, like, this is bad. Like, Ben being around here could infect everyone. And so he says, he's like, he sees it, and he's like, let's go back. And Maggie relents, and she agrees, and so they get back, and Natalie, of course, though, didn't know until after they were gone, and so when she gets back, or when they get back and Natalie sees them, she is so mad, and it's, like, kind of hysterical. Okay, fine. So, I guess you weren't supposed to know what this is, because the description is, Romper Room is an American children's television series that was franchised and syndicated from 1953 to 1994, so no, you weren't born yet. <laughs> I love to how it's literally like the year before I was born. I know. The program targeted preschoolers. So there, it was a show for kids. Little kids that is older than you. I'm old. End of story. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. But yeah, Natalie's so mad and it's like hysterical. And she's like, I can't believe you did this. And it's like, yeah, you can because everyone else does it. I know when she said that I laughed so hard. And again, I, I shouldn't have been laughing, but I was also like, this is really funny. Just because it's from Natalie. Like if it had been from anyone else, I wouldn't have found it funny. And I probably would have agreed with them. But like, because it was coming from Natalie, it was just like, I couldn't take it seriously. I know because I mean, this is every week for her that she's like, 
She's never forged a signature, but I mean, she's done a lot worse. Right. Like, a lot worse, and never gets punished for it. Don't you double but, standard this, Natalie. We see what you're doing. That's a different rate aside, but yeah, you know. Yeah. But at least Ben is still alive for now. I mean, he's not going to be next week, but, you know. We don't know that. Tina, it's a season, it's a mid-season finale, and someone's about to die. Still, we don't know that. I mean, we don't know that for sure. I haven't seen a screen or anything, but, like, that's my theory, is he dies next week. Man. I know. It's going to break, or Natalie, it's going to break Maggie's heart. I don't want that. I know. I don't want it either. I don't want it. I know. Boo. Woo. So, that's Maggie and Ben. But again, at least Ben is still alive for now. So, it didn't end terribly. For now. Yeah. I know, I know. But another character who had things kind of terrible this week was sweet baby Noah. I'm so glad he's alive, too. Uh, yeah, thank God. Thank God. I know. I, I was feel so like, you know, how, you know how Gallo's the cinnamon roll of 51? Is Noah the cinnamon roll of med? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, protect him at all costs. Don't hurt him. Right. We just got him back. We just got him back. Yes. I need him to stay around, and I need Roland to stay around. Okay, thanks. Yeah, okay, thanks, bye. Okay, thanks, bye. So, Noah and Hacinda. That's her name, right? Hacinda? Yeah. Yeah. So, she's still around. He's still She's still crashing in his guest room, but they are basically, she's wearing his Blackhawks jacket official. Okay, but are they, like, official, though, or is he, like, just being nice and, like, actually letting her stay? No, I don't think they're, I don't think they're, like, official. I think it was just kind of off of what Marcel was asking. Marcel was like, are you sleeping with her? And he's like, no, she's just wearing my Blackhawks jacket. Like. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I didn't think it as him, like, as them, like, being romantic. No, no. No, he's just literally trying to help her. Right. Um, So, yeah, so she's been crashing in his guest room, but no, they're not sleeping together. Like, it's fine. So Noah's like, okay, well, I'm going to take her home. Just don't tell April or she'll flip shit. And Marcel's like, okay, whatever. Uh, Lo and behold, a couple minutes later, Noah comes back in and he's bruised and he's bleeding and he's been beaten so badly. It's not okay. He was in bad shape. Really bad shape. Like, I know. Really bad shape. Like, that wasn't even makeup on Roland's face. They did, like, a life cast. And, like, it was, like, they, like, basically made a mold out of him. I saw that on Instagram. That was cool, though. That was cool. I know, yeah. I wonder why, though. Because he was, like, in some of his Instagrams, like, he was, like, looking at the body double, whatever it was. And he was, like, he was also made up. But then they had, like, the figure or whatever that had his, like, life mold on it. Like, I wonder why that was. Yeah, like, why I know. did that? I don't know. I don't know. I remember on Grey's when Sarah Drew left, like, they made a mold of her, but the reason that they made the mold of her was because they had to do, like, really violent compressions, and so, like, they didn't want to break her. Right. I don't know. I'd be interested to talk to somebody about, like, why that was. Yeah. It's true. Because I feel like they've done that before, though, and I feel like I remember them talking about doing that, like, bringing in the fake bodies for those kind of things but like wouldn't you think they would just rather than make like the whole face model or whatever like just film the fake body when they have like film the compression scene and then like cut to the camera you know like 
You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm trying to explain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. So I just wonder why they went and did, like, the whole making the mask of Roland's face. I know. Yeah, that's a good question. We'll have to invite Roland back on in the spring. Yeah, because he's finally been back on the show long enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just going to be like, surprise, we're back. You're back, we're back. I was really worried, though, that, like, if he died, that we were going to have to message him and be like, Roland, do you want to come on and do an emergency episode? Because I need to cry about this. I was going to be so pissed if they killed him off. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I, like, was really worried. I was going to have to, like, message him and be like, hey, Roland, uh, I need you for an emergency episode. Kay, thanks. Yeah, Kay, thanks. Bye. But not for a good reason. Oh, man. I would have died. But... Yeah, so they bring Noah back in, and he's in really bad shape. And, like, I mean, Dr. Choi jumps in and everything, and Dr. Marcel just has guilt written all over his face. Like, for me, the jury is not still out on Dr. Marcel. I like him. It's not out on him, but I – it just – it goes back and forth, right? Like, in this episode, you could definitely feel the compassion and definitely feel the guilt that he was feeling. Mm-hmm. But then he goes and does something stupid, and I – or acts all cocky, and I'm like, I don't know if I like him, but I don't don't hate him. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't get the cocky vibe with him the same way I did Connor, but like, I don't know, it's something, there's, like, what I call cockiness, like, what would you call it? I just think that's the way he is. I think it's his nature. I don't know. I feel like it's... I don't know. There's some side of him that still continues to rub me the wrong way. Um, But I don't, I definitely don't hate him. And I like him in some moments. I think him as a doctor, I really like. The moves on April have got to (laughs) stop. Yeah. But we'll talk about. (laughs) I think he's a great doctor. Yeah, I am. I do like him as a doctor, I just don't like the way, like, I, I guess I'm still thinking about the when he was, like, poaching patients from the ED, like, that still rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, but, I mean, you could tell like that, that he, he was definitely just, like, his face was just ridden in guilt about Noah, because, like, right. you know, he was just like, oh, I should have said something or something, but, um, Jay pops in, which, like, hey, hi, what's up, Jay? Hello. Yeah, it's not well, but, you know. I think they played this pretty well, though, because, remember, I mean, they they said in the episode description, they were like, a member of the med family has rushed into emergency surgery, right? And we were all just like, oh, fuck, yeah, it's totally well. And in the promo photos, it was, like, we saw Jay. We didn't see Noah or Well. Right, and, and we were like, oh, yeah, it's still got to be Well. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And Jay- there was a picture of Jay where he looked, like, extra worried. And I remember I sent it to you, and I was like, he wouldn't be this worried over Noah. And it was Noah. I was like, all right, well played. I see you. Good job. Right. Yeah. No, definitely good job. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not even mad. I'm like, good, good job. You, you, they, they were like two steps ahead of us. I'm like, all right, I see you. Yeah. So, but yeah, Jay comes in and he's talking to April and Marcel and Marcel pretty much comes clean about Hacinda, but April's so mad. Oh, she's so mad. But he, he makes a good point. He's like, you know, he's a big boy, April, which, like, I mean, it's been five seasons, right? Like, at some point, April's going to have to draw that line and realize, like, you can't protect him. Right. And I think that's the one, I guess, downside to them working together. It's, you know, they're always in each other's business. But you always feel that protection over, especially, like, your little brother. Like, I, you know, 
like my brother's always been bigger than me and you know we always have our we always have our issues but like I still get those protective instincts sometimes right like that's just it's family it's just the way it goes yeah and I mean I guess that's that's obviously I think something I'm not gonna see as the other sibling that, that they work together yeah um and obviously she feels like she has to be his big sister and she can't be in that environment. It kills her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the issue. But yeah, yeah she, Marcel does have a point. And I don't, I think April was just acting, you know, she was hurt and she, you know, was scared and emotional and whatever. And so I think she took it out wrong. Um, and she shouldn't have taken it out on Marcel, but she was just hurt and scared. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, at one point, uh, you know, Lannick is pretty much taking point on Noah's case. And when April takes, like, Lannick's suggestion to go, um, like, it was, like, Lannick's suggestion to not, like, cut into him and, like, do it, like, microscopically or whatever. And, like, Marcel wanted to, like, cut into him. And, like, when April took Lannick's suggestion over Marcel's, I really thought they were going to have Lannick, like, make, have, like, made the wrong call and, like, have that ultimately kill Noah. And I was like, fuck this. I hope I'm wrong, but, like, that was my gut, and I was so glad I was wrong. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I mean, I was with you every step of the way. I was like, dude, this had better not be the thing that, like, they they can't do this. They can't kill him. Right. And, like, I mean, even when Marcel was trying to, like, offer, not offer alternatives, but when Lannick suggested something and Marcel came in and was like, no, we need to do this, like, it didn't bother me. There was something about it that I knew that he was, like, following his instinct, that, like, this is what his gut was telling him, and I was okay with it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I was definitely, I, I knew Marcel was the right person to do it. Um, but when, like I said, when April like was like, no, we're going to go with Lannick, I was like, is Lannick's going to do something wrong? It's going to kill him? Oh my God. I, like, I was like freaking out. I know. I know. I, I know. And so, I mean, yeah, so Noah starts crashing and I was like really scared. I was like, no, like don't hurt him. Um, because, yeah, Marcel even said, Marcel was like, he's about to crash. Like, this is about to happen, and he's about to crash. And Lannick was like, no, he's fine. And then, like, five seconds later, he crashed. And Marcel was like, mm, not going to say I told you so, but, like, in your face. Right. But, yeah, they rush him into surgery. Marcel finds the bleed and saves the day. Thank God. Thank uh, God. And so at the end of the episode, Noah wakes up, and he's surrounded by April. Or April. That's a shit name. April. <laughs> April. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he is surrounded by April, Ethan, and Marcel, a.k.a. like everyone who cares about him in the hospital. It's like that Wizard of Oz scene at the end. And yeah. she's like, and you were there, and you were there. Like, my feelings. I just, you know. And like, Dr. Troy was really worried. I know at one point he tried to like leave his patient, and he was like, how's Noah? And Doris was like, it's not good. My heart. I know. My heart. My heart. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing that I just called them April. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, so April, April, she walks outside and she finds Crockett and she's just like, you know, thank you. And he just says, I'm just glad he's okay. Which again, I felt that. I was like, he just genuinely cares for Noah. Like, same. I feel it. Yeah. But also, Ethan totally caught that interaction, which, like, that sucks. Yeah. And he is definitely suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, which, like, it's suspicious Ethan is never a good look. No, ne- never. Next week is not going to go well for them. It's really not. I can't imagine that. I'm still wondering. I'm like, what is Because the description said that April finds something out that, like, makes her question her future. 
Yeah. What the hell? Right, like, she already knows Marcel likes her, so it can't be that. Like, I don't, you know. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, Ethan caught that. And Ethan, you know Ethan's not even going to ask April about it. He's just going to jump to conclusions. Yep. He's such a teenage girl in that aspect. I'm probably going to punch Marcel or something like that. Maybe that's what it is, is he punches Marcel or something, and April finds out about it later and is like, fuck. Yeah, I just, it's going to be bad. It is going to be bad. Yeah, it's going to be bad. So, yes, sweet precious Noah is okay for now. Just don't hurt him again. It's not cool. We love him. Protect him at all costs. Exactly. Please. Please. So Will had a case this week with Elsa because we're just we can't seem to give this a rest, can we? No, and I like that. Well, we'll save it for. I don't know. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Go ahead, Pat. Um, I like them platonically. Like I like that mentorship thing, like relationship. I like that. I hate that we're ruining this. I'm glad that we're not. It doesn't seem to be mutual at this point. It just seems like right. Elsa has a schoolgirl crush on him. Right, but just like, why did we have to go this route? I know. It's like, I liked where it was before this episode. It's awkward, right? Like, it's almost uncomfortable. Right, and like, I, I obviously, I called that last week. That That's what I thought, her, like, having that moment at the end of last week's episode was and I was like please don't let it be this and it was and it's just yeah it's awkward and I felt so much secondhand embarrassment for poor Elsa I know I know I mean props to her for like earning the or you know like working up the courage to ask him out but also like uh, mm, I know, yeah I know so the episode starts and Elsa pretty much is like yeah she asks Will out and so like, it's some band that's coming to Chicago, and they're called, like, the Fibonacci Code, like, the math. It's, like, something with math. And I looked it up to see if they were real, like, this Fibonacci band. I don't think they are. I wasn't really able to find anything. Because um, that's, like, really nerdy, right? I was like, ooh, I want to know if this is real, because that could be interesting. It's not real. Um, but Will, or, yeah, so their their patient just had a kidney transplant, and she needs a CT, because there's, there's basically a blood clot in there. Um and so she's allergic to the CT contrast, though, so, like, she can't have a CT or a CT scan, but she wants the steroid shot to suppress it. And so it's a ginormous risk, but it's one that Will is totally willing to take. And so I feel like if anything with these two, like, the only plus that I'm seeing with Will and Elsa so far is that Elsa makes Will look like the adult in the room. That's true. Because... I feel like the whole time Elsa's like, you can't do the shot. Oh my God, you can't do it. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. She kind of like panics and Will's just like, no, we've got it. It's okay. It's cool. So like Elsa makes Will look like less of the butthead that he is. Right. And I think the thing that I always like too about a lot of like resident or attending doctor, intern, relation, whatever those like mentorship things is that a lot of times, too, like, because you have an intern around, it forces you to think about something that you would probably maybe write off mm-hmm. a little more easily and, like, 
you know, like have to explain yourself. And so I think in some ways when Elsa's around, like you said, it kind of makes Will a more confident doctor and like not in some ways overreact. Like he goes with his gut and like, you know, did this thing, which was the right choice in the end. Um, but yeah, like I just think, I think Elsa brings out a lot of, like you said, he's not a butthead around her. Right, right. That's my technical term. Because he can't be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the patient, I mean, she goes into anaphylactic shock, which is just as Elsa predicted. But Will is so cool under pressure. Like, you put any other doctor in that room with Will, and Will handles that completely differently. He was so cool under pressure about it. Like, I've never seen him work that smoothly before. Because he has to be. He has to be the responsible adult in this situation because Elsa doesn't know any better. That's what she's here for. She's here for the learning experience. And so Will has to be the bigger doctor and do what is in his gut and just kind of do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, why I like Will and Elsa because Will has to be the best doctor that he's usually not. It's true. Yeah, it's very true. And so... You know, Will saves the day, of course. Elsa kind of fangirls, which, like, literally I can't even blame her. He was so cool under pressure. Like, I can't blame her. But Will says, Will's like, I've been a doctor for 10 years. Like, you just get better at knowing when to take a risk. And I'm like, dude, where is where has this confident Will been all my life? Right. It doesn't happen when Elsa's not around. Yeah. Like, Elsa brings out that side of him and Maggie brings out that side of him. And I just, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I'm okay, I'm okay with it. Like, I, that's cool. Yeah, I stand Will and his platonic female friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's another shirt. Like, you know those shirts that are like, like I have the One Tree Hill one that's like Lucas and Peyton and Haley and Nathan and all them. Like, <laughs> Will and his platonic female friends. Yes. <laughs> but, oh. <laughs> so at the end of the episode, Elsa tries to ask her or ask Will out again. And some rando blonde shows up. Who the hell is Juliet? I thought it was so funny, though, because I tweeted that same thing. I was like, who the fuck is this? And then the med, I think he's the script supervisor, Connor. Is yeah, that his name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he tweeted back, and he was like, actually, if you, like, go back and watch, like, she's popped up a couple times this season, which I thought was, like, super interesting, and I'd have to go back and rewatch. But, like, Connor, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, all right, Juliet, I see you. Okay, we don't really know anything about you. I can't judge you yet, but, like, all right, I see you. I just, my first thought when I saw her was, like, blonde bimbo. Like, can we not, Will? Like, why are we doing this? Oh, no, she might not be, though. I mean, again, we just don't know her. I know, but I don't want to get to know her. I don't need her. I know. I know. Ugh, Yeah. But also, like, can we just also point out that, like, because, I mean, when Juliet popped up and I was like, okay, first off, I don't know who the hell this is. But, like, Natalie told him to stay out of her life a couple weeks ago. And so far, he has. I think this might be the first episode we've ever seen where Natalie and Will did not exchange one word. But they exchanged the look, didn't they? Did they? I don't know. I feel like they exchanged the look. But, yes, I agree. He has done what Natalie told him to and stayed out of her life. I mean... Good for him? Yeah. No, definitely good for him. It's just like, who the fuck is Juliet? <laughs> no, right. But I, I also think that's kind of a sign of maturity on Will's part, because, like, old Will probably would have been like, listen, I know what you said, but, like, you don't want that. 
But also next week we're gonna revert back. I have a feeling, you know, because Natalie like starts getting her memories back, and so Natalie's gonna talk to him, and it's just gonna revert back to, you know, know. Will be not mature. Will not mature. Will I know? I know. There was also an article that dropped last week where Tori had said that Manstead's gonna interact in a way we've never seen them interact before. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? I know. I don't know. What is? What does that mean? What is all this? Tori better be like. I I just hope this isn't Tori trying to be like vague about things because she can't spoil like i hope this is like actually some way that we've never seen them interact and like something philip returns but it's not actually you know whatever it is like i hope this is all right i know i know yeah yeah that was weird that was i saw that that was weird a lot of wtf when it comes to manstead always wtf when it comes to manstead it just makes me like we should also make a shirt that just has like a picture of manstead and it should just be like wtf under it (laughs) Yeah. So, Dr. Choi also had some stuff going on. Oh, man, I felt bad for Dr. Choi in this episode because, like, I probably would have punched that patient. This patient was. This patient was pretty awful. So, literally, his patient is a live streamer, okay? Live streamer with 800,000 followers. As in, like, every medical decision that he has to make, he leaves it up to his followers. What the fuck? I thought I was going to really like this storyline because I do like the idea of, you know, people... I like the idea because I feel like it is something that, unfortunately, like, would probably happen in society. But, like, just seeing it actually happen on screen, I was so annoyed because this guy was the worst. Oh, no, absolutely. 100%. So the way they set this up on the screen is, like, they would show us... They would show us the scene through, like, the eyes of the camera... And there was a chat going on, like, on the right side. And so when these scenes were happening, I was definitely paying really close attention to the chat just to see what kind of gems would be in there in terms of, like, dialogue. Because um, what they said on the Wolf Entertainment Twitter was that, like, they individually entered, like, every single line of chat in there. And, like, you know, they pretty much, like, handcrafted it. And so um, in the chat, Dr. Choi is nicknamed Dr. Stern and Grumpy. That was my favorite part. I died when I saw that. That was pretty funny. Yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Um so the patient's got appendicitis, but the followers vote that he doesn't have surgery. And, like, you just see, like, the smoke pouring out of Ethan's ears the longer the episode goes on. Because, like, he was just getting so angry. And I couldn't even blame him this time. Right. Just do the freaking surgery. It's not that hard. Just get your appendix removed. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Um, and then at one point in the chat, when Dr. Choi comes in to talk to him, one of the chat people, they're like, yeah, Dr. Charles and Dr. Choi are so stressful. I'm like, <laughs> um. Yeah, I wouldn't say same. Dr. Charles doesn't stress me out. Dr. Choi sometimes does, but uh, yeah. And so, I mean, the whole thing is that, like, the girlfriend explains to Dr. Choi, she, or yeah, she explains, she's like, you know, the followers aren't trolls. They're our homies. And like, you know, this is how we make a living. You know, we've taken them along the ride with us all the way. And Dr. Charles, being the genius that he is, finds a way to pretty much like twist this and use it to his advantage. And so they literally take him on the roof and ask the followers if he should jump off of it. Which, like, Dr. Charles, you are so crafty and so smart. And also, like, such a smart ass. Well, and then the thing is, like, he they, they ask the followers and they're like, yeah. And he's like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, duh. I wouldn't jump off a roof either. No. I, and- 
So now there's a viral video of Dr. Charles asking a patient if he wants to jump off a roof. That might be my favorite thing, though, is that, like, when Sharon hears about it, she's like, did this really happen? And this could not, this is not a good look for the hospital. And Dr. Charles is like, yeah, didn't quite think that part through. <laughs> See, when Dr. Charles breaks rules, it's funny. Why isn't it funny when Natalie does it? Because he does it, like, once a season. True story. And it's not even, like, breaking a rule. It's just not a good PR move for the hospital. Yeah. No. He didn't break a rule, technically. I don't think. Well, I feel like asking. Well, taking your patient onto the roof, for one thing, that, I feel like it's probably against a couple rules. Right, but, mm, like, minor rules in comparison. <laughs> yeah. True. So, that one was, yeah, that one was interesting. And so, the only last bit we have about Med is that, um, you know, there were a couple little lines about Cece and Dr. Charles, um, She's basically, you know, Dr. Charles and Sharon and Cece and Bert are planning to go get drinks. And at the end of the episode, he just explains to Sharon, he's like, yeah, Cece just wasn't up to it. So I think they're trying to hint that she's sick again. Well, and in next week's episode description, it says something about, like, Dr. Charles and Maggie, blah, blah. I something get, like, bad news. I forget, like, what the word is. But, like, yeah, it's probably going to have to do with Cece and it's probably not going to be good. We better not be shaping up for, like, a Grey's Anatomy cliffhanger in the mid-season where, like, Ben and Cece are both, like, flatlining and then the question is, like, who dies? I'm not okay with that. Oh, gosh, Gina. <laughs> um, well, season finale was that, like, yeah, that one. Are you thinking the one where George dies, season yeah, five? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, that was really brutal. And then you watch that live, but that was brutal. God, and then the elevator opening and... Izzy's in her prom dress, and, like, George is in the military outfit. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to make myself cry. Yep, 007. Ugh, the worst. Ugh. But, yes. So, that is med. Any other notes about this episode? No, but I'm excited to see the mid-season finale. I mean, excited is maybe not the right word, but you know what I mean. I'm nervous for the mid-season finales. I'm nervous, but I'm also excited, and I'm ready for them at the same time. Yeah, I know. So, on to fire. Bryna, please start us off with Sev. Yeah, so Severide is officially over at OFI. Um, and when we see him, like, walk into the office and he's, like, wearing his uh, dress blues, um, or version of dress blues with the... What do you call those things? I don't know. They're not dress blues, but it's like there's that, like there's like the white shirt and then there's like the tie with it and it's just like, mwah, perfect. Right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you even text me, you're like, oh, we're women in it and we have separate eyes. I'm like, I don't know. Oh my God. I know that that light just catches it at just the right angle and it's just like ridiculously yeah. blue. Yeah. And so he walks in, you know, sees Aloe, sees Spam Eater, and he gets tasked with just double-checking work and, like, basically rubber-stamping it, like, going through, because, again, he's there to help go through a backlog, and it's just, like, yeah. And, of course, like, Severide immediately sees something wrong with it, but we'll get to that in a second. So, then we have this scene over at 51, which I think is a really interesting scene. So, Bowden shows up to Casey's office, and he's, like, you know, I know your partner in crime's not here, but, like, what do you call these things? Sick our cats? Like, I think we kind of need to have one, or whatever his wording is. Um, 
But it's just like, I didn't realize I needed like a Bowdoin Casey cigar chat scene in my life until I had it. So you remember when I think Derek had tweeted this in a Q&A or something, he had mentioned that there was going to be one of these coming and it wasn't Casey and Severide. And like yeah. all of us immediately were like, then it's not a cigar chat. It's I not think- a cigar chat, but I needed whatever that is. I didn't know I needed it in my life until I saw it. No, absolutely. But that's my question is, so, I mean, because if it's anybody else, then Casey and Severide is technically not a cigar chat. But I feel like Bowdoin can be the one exception to that. Bowdoin's like the one guy that I'm like, all right, I guess it can still be a cigar chat. Yeah, I guess. Only because it's Bowdoin and only because Bowdoin technically got us that fishing boat scene too. And I like, you know, just will forever be grateful for that. So. Yeah. So I guess Bowdoin's like the only exception. The only exception. Only. Like, if Herman comes in, it's going to be like, no, Herman, go sit down. Then it's just bird time. Then it's just bird time. It can happen. It just can't be called a cigar chat. Right. 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 And so they're having, like, honestly, kind of a deep conversation. I didn't really expect it. Um, and Bowdoin just kind of lets all his feelings out. And he's like, you know, we've been a solid shift. I think Severide being detailed from 51, like, really shook him. He's like, you know, we've been a solid shit for a long time here. I guess I just don't want it to end. And it's just like, yeah, us either. I know, same. And then he goes on about, you know, and he's like, every now and then I catch a glimpse of Severide and I see Benny and, you know, Benny didn't think he wanted to leave, you know, being a firefighter to go to OFI and then he never went back. And I think he just, you know, Bowdoin fears the same thing too. And it's just like, no, stop, Bowdoin. You can't put that out into the universe. Yeah, the minute he said that, I just, like, I, I, I heard you in my head just being like, oh, my God, stop. <laughs> I don't think you heard me in your head. That's I did. Great. Um, but, yeah. And so then we go back to OFI. And basically, Severide's going through paces, and he finds this one that kind of sticks out to him that got marked off as an arson. They got the guy, whatever. But it's, you know, Severide's like, something's not adding up here. So he and Aloe go revisit the scene from that fire back in April. Mm-hmm. And Severide, like, knocks the door into, which is just great, classic one Chicago move. Oh, he totally kicks the door in, which, like, I need to start keeping count. Like, over hiatus, You're- I'm definitely going to go through the first nine of all three shows and, like, keep a tally of who kicks how many doors in. I know. I know. We need to. Because now it's also-, also Kevin, Jay, Emily, and Sev. Yeah, because no one on med's going to... You can probably not skip the med episodes. Nobody knocks doors <laughs> in on med. Yeah, no. Um, But yeah, and like... So they're going through the scene, you know, examining things over. And like, Alice straight up flirting with him. And she's like, please stop. Like, can we put a stop to this, please? Yeah, stop it. You're, you're about four seasons too late, Allo. Yeah. And like, that's wasn't arson at all. It was actually an electrical fire. Um, and they determined that, whatever, and Alo makes a side comment. She's like, you know, I knew I was right. Like, you clearly belong here at OFI. It's like, no, he doesn't. Stop saying that. Like, Stop he, putting it out into the universe. Yeah, like, he does, but he also doesn't. Right. Right. It's like, I'm fine on this, like, temporary detail, but, like, he does not belong there forever. Kay thinks. Mm-hmm. So... Then they go back to OFI, and Van Meter is, like, mad at Sev for this. And Sev tells him, he's like, if you wanted someone to just come in here and rubber stamp things, like, you detailed the wrong guy. And, like, Van Meter ultimately accepts that Severide did the right thing. 
But he, like, tells him, he's like, you can't work every case like this, you'll never catch up, and, like, you'll never end up going back to squat if you don't catch up. It's just like, is that a threat? Like, what is this? I know. And, yeah, it ends all happy, though, because Severide and Aloe get, like, a visit from the store owner, and, like, the insurance is going to pay for the claim, and all ends, all ends well, all is well that ends well. Just a standard Wednesday for Severide. But actually, though. I mean, for real, he's just so good at what he does. I really do, like, part of me wants him to temporarily get details of, like, PD. Like, I just need him to solve one case with intelligence before Taylor Kenny leaves fire at some point in life. I mean, he would crush it in intelligence. He just wouldn't know how to work a gun. I need it in my life. Voight would love it. I need it in my life. Before, if Taylor Kenny ever decides to leave the show, I need him to pop over to PD for one episode and, like, work with intelligence. Yeah. On something more than what we've already seen. He'd crush it. I mean, he would be amazing. Oh, my God. He'd be so good. Yeah. Who would, so he, good. who would you want to see him partnered with? Oh, Jay. You think? Yeah. I was going to say he might be really good working with Rojas just because both of them operate on instinct. Yeah, I my also my gut was telling me Ruzik. Oh I mean, God. really, he could, like really it could go no wrong because I was like he'd also be good with that water. He'd also be good with Burgess. Like he really could be paired up with anyone, and I wouldn't really care. Could. I'd be kind of afraid to see a Severide and Ruzik partnership just because both of them can be kind of hotheads. Yeah, but they're also I feel like more so than Rojas. Like I feel like Ruzik also has that instinct first, act later. Yeah. So, in that way, I think they could be good. It's true. That is true. But, yeah, that's Severide. Ah, Severide. Severide, Severide, Severide. You can come home now. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I mean, maybe solve, like, one more arson just, like, to entertain us. But, like, yeah, you can come home now. But yeah. We've also never seen a situation where he's investigated a case and it turned out not to be arson. It usually is a case that like is something else. And then it says like, Oh, it's arson. This was like the opposite of right. that. Right. Yeah, that's true. So that was cool. So yeah. Stella had some stuff going on. as well in this episode. Um, basically Bowden signed her up to be an instructor at the Academy. And so he just says, he's like, people keep reaching out to me about your performance at the leadership conference. Okay, like, this is great and all that he, like, sees this in her and, like, believes her, believes in her and is pushing her and stuff. But also, like, why? Right, like, cool. Yeah, like, I don't know. Why and, like, why aren't you talking to her about these things before that happens? Right. That was, I think, the thing that I thought was weird about it. It's just like, what if she doesn't have the time to do this or want to do this? You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And so she goes to teach her first of two classes at the academy. It's like physical conditioning. And it goes well. I mean, it's a little awkward in the beginning, but, you know, it goes well. But um, this poor girl, I mean, there's 24 hours in a day, right? And so she's tired. And yeah. so there's a call where a billboard falls on a guy, which, like, that's just kind of scary, right? Just random-ass billboard falls on a guy. Um, and I tweeted Derek about that. I was like, was this another one of those crazy calls where you were, like, inspired by a morning job? And Derek just tweeted back. He was like, well, they call it the Windy City. I was like, all right, all right, fine. Like, <laughs> you win. Fine. I didn't see. I thought that you tweeted him. I didn't see that he had tweeted you back. Yeah, he tweeted back. And I just, you know, usual Derek answer where I'm just like, okay, you got me there. You got me. 
So um, Stella spaces out in the middle of the call because, again, she's fucking tired. Um, right. Casey asks her to do something, and she's just, like, off in La La Land. And he gets, like, really mad at her. He's really mad at her. Which, like, I, I mean, at first I was like, well, that's kind of really effing harsh. But then I was like, okay, maybe that's just, like, how he leads his troops. Like, and I, I get it, too, because, like, it seemed harsh, but at the same time, in that job, you can't do that. Right, in that job, you can't do that. But it also, like, I I mean, hello, he was Captain Casey. Like, really, I mean, we called him Captain Casey, and Captain Casey is a hard ass. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it didn't surprise me. I mean, I did think it was, like, there is part of me that just because that's not me and that's not my style, I was like, ooh, that's still a little harsh. But, yeah, like, you can't really, when life or death, you know, when this, this job is life or death, life or death, I cannot speak tonight. Um, and, you know, you can't space out for, because even that one second is, like, can cost them on their life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so she apologizes, but Casey tells her, he's like, well, whatever you've got going on in your life, like, don't carry it on truck. Which, again, like, damn, Casey. Casey, a little harsh, but also makes sense. Right. You know. Yeah. But Stella goes home after shift, and Sev is just boyfriend of the year, you know. But, like, like actually, though. But the usual, just, you know. Um, he just kind of suggests taking a shift off to get some rest, but, of course, she refuses. And um, she just says, she's like, Chief's giving me all these amazing opportunities. I just don't want him to think I don't have the goods. And Sev is just like, he won't. He'll think you're human, which, like – True. Supportive and boyfriend of the year and like But that's my question though. I'm like, why isn't Bowden seeing that he's overloading her? Like how is he not seeing this? Because I think she's not showing it. And like he wasn't on that call that they were at. True. Um, you know, like Bowden isn't there. Bowden's around, but he's not around like all the time. So I think it's easy to hide things from him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So um Herman had some big stuff going on in this episode and it was like the kind of like punch you in the feels type stuff. Um, oh my god, I like cried all through this episode because of this line. I did find myself crying at the end and I mean, granted, yes, I had been drinking, but also I was like, why are there tears jumping out of my eyes? Um, the last scene, or not the last scene, but the, yeah, we'll get there. The, yeah, the end of it. So, Brenda, will you please take us through Herman? Yeah. So, we start the episode with an engine call, like a just engine call, yeah. um, which is really cool to see because we, like, never get those scenes. Nope. Uh, and so that was cool. Um, but also, too, I loved Herman's line at this moment. Like, when they get the call, Herman says, he's like, all good shifts start with a call during breakfast. Remember that, Ritter. Just, like, classic Herman line. And, like, true, though, it's always like, you know, it's going to be a good day when you get calls early on. Like, good day. Good episode. So basically, their call, they get called to this place where the victim lit a candle and then took a bath and, you know, left the candle burning. Just not the smartest thing, but, you know. Yeah, I know. I, I like candles in my apartment and I always make sure that I'm, like, not going to be away from it. Yeah. No, no, not the smartest thing in the world. I get paranoid if I'm going to be, like, out of eye shot of said candle. I'm paranoid like that, but, like, I guess... I'm personally paranoid, especially in my small space, I think. But, like, growing up, my parent, my mom would always leave. I mean, she wouldn't necessarily do it. Like, we were downstairs. She wouldn't have candles burning, like, upstairs. But, like, she would go back and forth between, like, their bedroom and have a candle on in there and, like, leave candles on in the kitchen all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it freaks me out a little bit, but I grew up around that. Um, so I get why people do it, but I just, I can't do it. Right. Um, 
But the reader points out, though, that in the time it took for them to, like, pull up and get to the door, like, the couch went up like a Roman candle. And it shouldn't have gone up in flames that fast. And so something's, like, a little off with that. And, of course, they go back to 51. And as it turns out, they end up finding out that the couch was made from polyurethane, which is essentially just, like, gas in solid form. So, like, highly flammable. But as Herman tells Casey and Bowden that, you know, it turns out that the same company that made this woman's couch is the same company that made the mattresses that killed Otis. And that was, like, their factory. It was just, like, as soon as he said that, I was just, like... Knife to the heart. Knife just like, heart. oh my god. Just like knife to the heart and like turn it. I was just, oh, gut punch. Oh, right. And so everyone at 51 is talking about how they're going to approach the situation. And like, this might be one of my favorite moments of just like all season. And like Gallo goes all millennial and he's like, we should cancel them. And Herman's like, <laughs> what? And Gallo's like, yeah. He's like, you go on Insta and you shame the hell out of them. And I was just like, Literally the best thing I've ever heard. He's the cutest. Like, I can't handle it. He's just, he comes out with these things, and I'm just like, that's adorable. I died. It was, like, the best moment mm-hmm. of the season. Like, I loved it. Um, but Herman's like, no, you know, basically, it's a, they're an old-school corporation, so they decide they're going to have to take, like, an old-school approach. So Herman and Casey go to Arnau, which is the company, and go to the office, and they're like, can we talk to the CEO? And it's just like, Guys, like, I know what you're trying to do, but, like, that's not how this goes. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. You can't just go in and demand to see someone's CEO. That's not how this goes. Good effort, though. Yeah. But they're convinced, I mean, you know, they don't end up getting the CEO that time. And so what do they decide to do? Herman and the rest of 51 decide to go out and literally camp out in front of R now, waiting for the CEO. Oh, my God. The best. And that scene when, like, all of them pull up with their chairs, like, Severide and Arno and like Brett and Foster and then like Stella pulls up even though she's busy I'm like oh my god the squad goals I I just can't take it yeah well I love to like so Severide Aloe like you said Severide brings Aloe with him and he like introduces her to everyone and so Casey's like you're the one who's still my best lieutenant and Herman's like hey and he's like squad lieutenant (laughs) I love all of them um and so Marvin, the security guard, eventually comes out, and he's a great dude. And he basically tells him, he's like, listen, like, the CEO is not here. This is not a lie, but, like, he'll be back next Wednesday. Come back then. And Herman's like, thanks, dude, I owe you a beer. <laughs> and so when the CEO comes back, Herman and the rest of 51 do show up again, and they have this demo to, like, even make their point, because... Somebody had said something earlier, and it, like, clicked, and it was this whole idea of, like, you know, seeing is believing. And so Herman illustrates with a couch and, like, blowing it up in flames, and he says, you know, like, most of the time, you know, people's fate, whether they live or die, comes down to a matter of seconds. And he goes on, he's like, you know, I hope you understand that. In the space of a single heartbeat, my friend Brian saved the lives of me and six other firefighters in your factory fire. But that heartbeat was his last. And I was like, I'm done. I'm in blown tears. And he's like, you know, we're not asking for a miracle. You know, we know we have to, you have to make a quick buck, but like, we just want you to take care of your customers. And I was just like, I'm done. Done. All the tears. Um, that didn't get me as much as this next scene did. 
Really? Because that was, it was, as soon as he said, he's like, you know, my friend Brian saved the lives of me and six other firefighters. I was like, I'm done. Yeah, and that when, he, when he was last, like, that heart like, turned out to be his last. I was like, watch it, Herman. Like, you keep talking, I'm going to cry. Um, it wasn't until the next scene that I was like, all right, now I'm crying. Yeah, so basically it ends with, like, the CEO bringing his kids to the firehouse to, like, pay his respects to Otis's memorial. And he tells Herman, he's like, you know, changes are going to be made effective immediately. We're going to start using new materials on their products. I told everyone, you know, at the uh, at the board meeting, you know, this is happening. And Herman then, you know, takes the kids on a tour and, you know, really appreciates that the CEO did this. And it's just like, my heart. I know. I know. Every time I see the Otis Memorial, like, I get choked up because it feels like we lost somebody, too. Right. Well, I've really loved that they, as much as it hurts to, like, you know, because I'm still not over Otis's death, but I really appreciate that they've continued to bring him up time and time again. Yeah. Because it feels real. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the end of the Herman stuff. In the fields. Yeah. Yeah. So Foster had a nice little B story as well in this episode. Um, <laughs> so she's a little strapped for cash. And, you know, when she sees that Stella's rushing off to the academy, she gets the idea of, like, you know, maybe she needs to teach, like, a CPR class or something. And it turns out, I mean, there's no opening. So Sylvie is at her spin class, and the instructor asks if she'd be interested in taking over. And so Sylvie's like, oh, no, wait, I have somebody who would be perfect for that. So Foster takes over the spin class and I about died because like she takes it from zero to a hundred like immediately. And she's like, she's like a really strict hard ass instructor, like no music, no fun, nothing. The part that killed me was when she was like, okay, everybody go home and think about what you did wrong. I, <laughs> I died. I was like, that is hysterical. So I know, is that the same instructor that, Sylvie tried to set Casey up with last year. I think it is. Olivia, I think it is. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so Olivia comes by the firehouse and Sylvie's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But it turns out that everybody really liked Emily. So she's hired. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, I got a good laugh out of that one. But the go home and think about what you did wrong was just like, I died laughing. I thought that was hysterical. Well, and I love, too, how, like, she walks out of that scene, too, and Brett's, like, basically doesn't know how to tell her that she sucked, but Foster's, like, you know, I gotta go, to, like, discuss my pay raise or whatever, and so she's, like, so confident that she killed it, and I was just, like, oh, well. Oh, my goodness. Um, I would pay good money to see other people from 51 take that class. Yeah, like, I think Foster and Cruz should just team up for some kind of, like, cycling Zumba hour or two hours or whatever it needs to be. But like, I think we could, I think that's like a winning combo. I mean, I think now that we have Emily teaching spin classes, it's only fair that crew Zumba returns, right? Right. Like, come on, Derek, 2020, make it happen. It's only fair. Crew Zumba 2020. For real. For real. Make it happen. God, all the shirt ideas we're getting tonight. I know. Yeah. Where's that? Yeah. That needs to be a shirt. Crew okay, Zumba right, 2020. I'll get on it. <laughs> But yes, that needs to be assured as well. Um, yeah, I mean, what's a girl got to do for some Zumba? Because I would take Cruz's Zumba class before I would Emily's spin class. Emily would probably make me cry. Uh, yeah, no. You cannot pay me to take a cycling Well, actually, you could pay me to take a cycling class, but like, it would not be my first choice. But it wouldn't be from Emily. Emily's too much of a hard ass. Heck no. No. But Heck no. 
I did laugh because um, I tweeted in the middle of the episode. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is Annie teaching this class and not Emily. Um, and Annie tweeted back and she was like, nailed it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. funny. But yeah. Any other notes about fire? No, just, yeah, another, another solid episode. episode. It was indeed a solid episode. I just, I hope Stella's going to be okay. I feel so bad for her because she's just like, like, I feel that of like being way too busy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All, All the time. time. Poor girl. Yikes. So, time to talk about the Berzik baby sized elephant in the room. Yeah. And move on to PD. Yeah, oh, but not actually discuss the case because it's not important. This is something that Dick Wolf shows do a lot, and I talk about this when I review FBI over on Telltale, but Dick Wolf shows sometimes tend to get so weighted down in the procedural that sometimes the episodes get boring. Well, and I told you that, too, before this episode aired, that I was worried because it is a procedural, and I was worried because I feel like PD, out of all of them, tends to sometimes, like you said, be so case-heavy. And, like, even when they're doing some, like, personal stuff, like, it's so on the back end of things because it has, you know, it's such a procedural. It has to do a case, and it has to wrap up the case within that thing time. Um, and I was worried about how they were going to handle this episode, and I still don't think we got enough of it. I, overall, was not satisfied with this episode. Yeah. And I think, too, and this is something you talked to Marina about in our interview with her, but, like, because, too, it tends to be, you know, oh, this was a Marina episode, next week's a, oh, this was a Burgess episode, next week it's going to be a Jay episode. Like, how long is it going to be before we follow up on the storyline? Like, it could easily be five episodes. I mean, it's not going to be, but, like, it could easily have been five episodes before we heard about the baby again. Right. Right. And so, I mean, this happens sometimes where, like, I feel like the Dick Wolf team doesn't realize that, like, the, the the part of their shows that keeps us coming back again and again is the relationships between the main characters. It's very right. rarely the procedural aspect. Right. Well, and that was the thing, too, is they cut all that stuff, too. Like, that's the first stuff to go when they're cutting episodes, like Marina was talking about. In our interview with her, I, keep, I feel like I'm just going to keep dropping that. But in our interview with her, you were talking about, she was talking about, she's like, yeah, you know, they cut the scenes about me having morning sickness, but then they still kept in the fact that I look so disheveled. So, like, that's the first stuff to go to when they cut episodes. And it's just like, I want, I want that. I'd much rather have that than the case any day. The minute that, and this is, this is similar to the episode when Al died, but, like, the minute that the doctor said you're pregnant... I could give a shit about the case. I did not care one bit about the case. Yeah. Like, I was, we were both watching it, and we were texting about it, and you were a little bit ahead of me, but you were just like, I'm 10 minutes in, and I don't care. I need more of the baby. Like, give me the baby. Give me the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I don't, I don't care about this random person that Burgess just found. I just, I care about what's going on with her. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Basically, the whole gist of it is that, like, Burgess and Ruzik are, like, they start the episode bantering, which is just perfect and wonderful, and, like, I would yeah. watch an hour of them bantering. Just, yeah. Ever. We also see, I, they're interacting, and they're yeah. hanging out, because, like, he's been hanging out on her couch watching movies and stuff, so, like, I'm cool with it. I enjoy it. It's great. I'm glad they're, like, back in each other's worlds. Wonderful. 
but they go to chase a perp and Burgess goes to like squeeze through a fence and she scrapes up her arm. That's about it. It's like super minor. But Voight sends her off to med to go get it taken care of. She gets it taken care of and that's when the doctor tells her she's pregnant. Yep. Whatever. So four weeks long and basically that means it's Adam's from the night they locked pinkies. From the night they locked pinkies. Yep. Yep. Hashtag touching pinkies. <laughs> It'll never get old. It's the new playing Scrabble. It'll never get old. Yeah. It's the new Scrabble. I'm cool with that. Yep. Um, so basically, I mean, we, I mean, we kind of decided to like gloss over the case just cause again, I mean, literally I just, they got into details about it and the more they were trying to like break things down, I was like, I don't care. I was just like tuning out. I was like, okay, get to the baby stuff. Let's go. I will say that I'm glad it wasn't a complicated case. Like the case itself was pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that like, I would not, I mean, I already didn't care, but I would not have cared if it was like, try to be too complicated too complicated yeah and i'm i'm glad that they didn't try to pour it on Vic that like she was gonna that burgess was gonna be like hyper emotional or hyper you know anything because she's pregnant you know they didn't pour it on Vic. they teetered on it where like she was gonna have you know she was gonna care extra about the case because of like the news she just got but her like her judgment wasn't impaired by the news where i feel like we would we would have seen otherwise on other shows that's true yeah yeah so they basically they they go to some warehouse at some point. They find a, bo- a body that's missing. It links up to another case of like another missing girl that's there. But we get some good row water action, which is nice. Right, like, like literally my favorite—well, not my favorite moment of the episode, but like I love the moment where like Rojas attacks the first guy. They think killed Allie, and then he like calls her bitch and kept like call her bitch one more time. And I just I need more row water in my life. Like, once we get Bursic all settled, can we have more row water, please? Yeah, once Bursic gets handled, can they just make out row water just once? Right, like, we literally haven't had any row water since, like, episode two. Yeah, just just make out. Like, I thought Kevin was supposed to have a relationship this season. Like, where has that been? It probably got cut in, for, in favor of more case stuff that we don't care about. Right, it's probably sitting on the cutting room floor with Arthur. Oh my god, how, I mean... We need to launch, like, some sort of rescue mission to save stuff off the cutting room floor. We need to come up with a cool hashtag. Like, launch a campaign. I know. But, yeah. Oh, man. I know. I was, like, brainstorming there for a second. Nothing was coming to me. But, yeah. So, Burgess and Ruzik are basically waiting to snatch up the second guy they think did it. And, you know, Ruzik's just like, hey, look at this picture of my nephew. That's adorable. Whatever. And Burgess, like, in that moment just decides to be like, yeah, I'm pregnant. I think Adam handled it well, um, based on Marina's interviews with TV Line and us and, you know, elsewhere. I think she, 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 she made it sound like Kim took it differently than that. But I thought her point was interesting, though, that basically, like, from an outsider's perspective, yeah, Adam was very supportive, but, like, when you're, when you are that person, you know, it may come off differently. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I guess I can see that. I just, I mean, given what we know about Adam and Kim, I feel like if Adam had responded differently and was like, you know, like he wasn't, he was never going to respond apathetically and be like, hey, whatever, you're pregnant. Like he was always going to be super caring. But if he was even more caring than that, I feel like she probably would have pushed him away. Well, I think it's also just so hard because 
there's so much there's been so much Berzik happening in like the white spaces and that like Marina and Patty have just kind of created and like we don't really know about because it's all laying on the cutting room floor somewhere and like so it's hard to really know like even the scene last season that we referenced where like they cut the whole the, the Ruzik apology scene and they cut like a whole part of that scene and just kind of sliced it together yeah. like there's just so much missing from the Burzik relationship that it's hard to really understand why Burgess is feeling the way she's feeling because we just don't know about it yeah yeah that's true that's true and so you know Burgess is like yeah I mean I want kids someday and Adam just says he's like whatever you decide I'm gonna be there and I'll support you it doesn't really get much better than that, does it? Right, but again, I think there's so much missing from Burgess' side that we don't get. Right. Or that we, you know, we don't understand why she's feeling the way that she's feeling. I guess so, yeah, that's true. So long story short, they find Claire, who, Claire was the missing girl, right? Yeah, Claire was the girl with the son. So they find her in this guy Ray's basement. She tells Burgess that Ray took her son Henry... And when Burgess is visiting her at med, Claire's like, hey, do you have any kids? And Burgess says no. And so Claire just, like, she says, you know, when you do, you'll know. Um, you know, there, there's no such thing as not worrying. Okay. Like, got it. Parallel drawn. So Ruzik picks Burgess up from med, and then she mentions to him at one point that she made an appointment for the next day. Now, I took appointment as to mean either one. It could have been an appointment with the OB just to like see where she's at or it could have been an appointment for an abortion. I took it as either way. Oh, I totally took it as an abortion. I did not think that meant anything else but abortion. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I took it as it being either one. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I took that as like she was going to get rid of it. Which like, I mean, I guess that, because I, I mean, I, I had mentioned to you earlier in the week when we were trying to figure out how this episode was going to go and I was like, listen, I have a hot take. Like, you know, what What if they decide to take it this way? And that actually was my hot take. I was like, what What if the writers decide to be, you know, almost kind of ballsy and Kim decides to get an abortion? Have we, I wouldn't have been mad at that. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't have either. I can't recall a time on network TV where we've ever seen a character follow through with an abortion storyline. Not a show that I've seen, at least. Didn't Christina Yang have one on Grey's Anatomy? She did. Didn't she? She may have. I feel like early on, now I'm going to Google it. I'm pretty sure Christina Yang had one. Okay. That was the first thing that popped into my head. That sounds right. I feel like there was one on Grey's. Oh, yeah. And it was Owen's, right? And Owen was really upset with her. Yeah. Yeah. In season seven or eight? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would not have been mad either. I actually would have probably, like, really commended NBC for, you know, taking the bull by the horns and be willing to tackle that head on. I think the only thing that would have made me mad, and this doesn't have anything to do with Burgess choosing to have an abortion... But it would have made me mad because it would have been them, like, hyping up Berzik and then not actually giving us Berzik. True. Very true. You know, they were, they, like, everyone's been teasing. They're like, yeah, Berzik is happening in episode eight, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then, like, she has an abortion. It's like, okay. Then why did we, you know? 
I think yeah, it's even a difficult term for like that. Like being an abortion. Yeah, I think the fandom calls that Berzig baiting. <laughs> no, it's true, though. Like, that's a thing. Well, yeah, because, I mean, hello, it's been how many seasons since we've had some actual, like, Drew Berzig? Three? Four. No, because they kissed in season four, remember? We're counting that? Hello? Yeah. Okay. Something. I mean, if we're counting every time they've kissed or had, like, a one-night stand since the breakup, then we've had it in every season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. But they haven't been, like, together together since season three. That's true. That's true. Yikes. So, they end up finding Henry in a trailer at a campground. Um, He's diabetic, so he needs insulin, but um, I loved when, like, Burgess didn't, like, hulk out, but she, like, improvised because the door was locked, so she just grabbed the propane tank. Damn, yeah. damn. Smart. So smart. So smart. So smart. Um, so, yeah, he almost died due to lack of insulin, but lucky, luckily, Burgess got to them in time. And so, after shift, Ruza goes to find Kim in the locker room. I love how all of their sacred scenes happen in the locker room. I know. It's just so symbolic. I also loved how, like, Ruzik didn't even have to, like, he just, like, walked in and was like, Kim, are you in here? Like... They're just so cute, and they're just, they're always on the same wavelength, like, even when they don't want to be. Yeah, no, I love that it happened in the locker room. I probably would have been mad if it had happened anywhere else. Yeah, and so, I mean, Adam's like, I don't want you to be alone in all this. Like, I know you're a strong, independent woman and all that, but I care about you, and I want to be there for you. Oh, God, I miss them. But Kim says, Kim's like, maybe it's selfish me with this job and being single, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to be a mom, and I don't want to make a decision I might regret. And so Adam says, what does that mean? And Kim says, I don't know what that means other than I canceled the appointment. So I take that to mean that she hasn't decided to keep the baby. She just hasn't made a decision yet. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was interesting, though. The thing I took her the first time I watched this episode, I took the quote where she said she's like, I don't want this opportunity to be a mom, like I don't want to make a mis- decision I might regret. Is that like I took it at almost in some ways too. I was like, oh, it's well, you know, I think she would have maybe felt differently too if it was anybody but Ruzik's baby, you know, because like she loves Ruzik, like you know, Marina was saying in her interview with you, like she loved, you know, Burgess loves Ruzik, and I think, you know, like. I think in some ways deep down that she's happy that it's Ruzik's baby over anyone else's. Yeah, I mean, I got the the initial vibe I got when I first watched the episode the first time through. I was like, does she, I mean, I, I got the vibe that she didn't want the baby with him. But on subsequent watches now, I'm like, okay, no, like, I, I agree with you that she's she's almost relieved in a way that it's 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 Adam's. Because, I mean, she knows, well, she knows what she's well, going to get with Adam. Yeah, which is why it's so interesting that Marina told you that it's supposed to be Blair's baby, which oh I think is hysterical. Oh my god, I still can't get over that. I think that's hysterical. I think what might be ha- what might have happened, this is just a guess, but like, I think the plan, like like Marina said, the plan was to make it Blair's baby. I'm guessing it was right after he died. So, in all reality, do we have John Seda to thank for the Berzik baby? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, in some weird twisted way. Because like him leaving made them have to alter things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to think about, but yeah, probably. I couldn't imagine Blair dying and then her finding out she's pregnant like a week or two later. Right, because she didn't love Blair. Like, oh. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Cool. But then also, what would that have done to the Berzik relationship? I don't know. Nothing. I mean, we probably would have gotten a scene of, like, jealous Ruzik or something and Ruzik being stupid and not thinking about what he says before he says it. But, you know, just, like, something stupid like that. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, with this, with it being Ruzik's in this it's this situation, like, I don't know. I, I was pretty okay with it because, I mean, the, you can always tell with Ruzik that, like, yes, he's immature. Yes, he's a hothead. But he his love for Burgess is such that he – can always like he he will always step up when he needs to for her because he loves her that much right yeah which is why i said i i got the vibe that i feel like burgess is relieved that it's Ruzik. yeah like if she has to go through this and figure out what she's going to do with it like i think she's glad that at least it's Ruzik. Mm-hmm. she's in it. yeah yeah and so marina did a chat with TV line that dropped immediately after the episode aired. And of course she did talk to us on Thursday afternoon, which we dropped on Friday. Um, and just some of the talking points in there that I just found interesting when, you know, she said both to TV line and to us that, you know, she, Kim loves Adam, but they're just not right for each other right now, which is odd to me. Right. Cause like the more I think about that and the more I started to kind of like put Berzik under a microscope and really dissect them, I was like, listen, it sounds to me like, you know, Ruzik's ready. Ruzik's ready to be back with her. He's been ready to be back with her since the episode they broke up. But it seems like Kim is just kind of sitting around waiting for him to change. See, I don't get that vibe at all. I get more of the vibe what Marina was telling you in that the job comes first for them right now. Yeah. So, like, they love each other and there's no denying that. But, like, they also love the job probably more. And so while they are at the age that they're at and, you know, at the place in their lives they are, like, the job is going to come first. Mm-hmm. And so that's not to say that they'll never be together, but, like, right now, it's just not the time. And, like, I don't I don't have personally have a problem with, like, I definitely believe, obviously, there's people out there who are, like, meant to be together, just timing's not right. And I think that's Burgess, Burgess and Rusick, as much as it kills me because I want them to be together, but, like, I think that's them. Yeah. Just because of the job. Interesting. Because I think it's true, you know, which is kind of interesting in the fact that, like, I literally ship everyone in this unit with someone else in this unit. And, like, I just want all these in-unit relationships to happen. But I do kind of agree with that, like, you kind of almost have to, with this job specifically, like, be all in on the job. Yeah. And I think we've kind of unfortunately seen, you know relationships ruined by the job um multiple times and so you know it kind of sucks but like right now they're not willing to sacrifice that yet i mean is she do you think burgess is going to choose the job in this moment with the baby you think she's going to choose the job over having the baby i don't know I, i just i think it's so hard for me to wrap my head around only because I can't, like, we've yet to see someone go through a full pregnancy on any of these shows. Right. In that way, it's hard for me to believe that she picks the baby. Because I feel like if she go, if they go through all this and she picks the baby, they can't have her miscarry it, right? Like, we have to have the baby. 
Yeah, but if she has the baby, then that, I mean, then we sideline her for all of season seven. Right. But I almost think, I mean, I don't want to see Burgess sidelined, but I do think the fact that they're bringing so much attention to the idea of, like, even Rick Eyed in that interview with, like, Give Me My Remote was saying that, you know, it's something we haven't really seen about, like, you know, what kind of complications would that create? And, like, you know, how do you manage your career when you didn't want to, you know, have a baby in the first place? Like, it's just an interesting dynamic, like, for a cop having a kid, especially with a female officer. And I feel like they're putting so much attention on that that I almost feel like we're just going to keep the baby and we're going to explore that. But I could be wrong. Interesting. Yeah, and I actually didn't see this interview with Rick Hyde that popped. Will you, um, will you go over it? Yeah, so it was with this site called Give Me My Remote. Um, and somebody sent it to us, and I don't remember who did. But basically, Rick I was talking about, you know, this same idea. He was like, you know, we were talking about characters in the beginning and just the interesting dynamic of a cop having a kid, especially a female officer, and, like, going through all that. And, like, what would you do if you weren't married, if you wasn't expecting, you know, but you, like, wanted to have a kid and you weren't necessarily planning having it now? Like, what issues would that raise? Just, you know, he was talking about that. And, you know, he was talking about Ruzik, and he said, you know, Ruzik wants to be part of the process, but the question is, does she want him to be part of the process? Um, and he was like, you know, it's an interesting position for him to be in because he likes to control the situation, and in this situation, he has no control. So he's finding, like, trying to find a way to be a part of it, which I think is interesting. Um, and then, you know, he was talking about, well, you know, they have to at some point tell everyone else in intelligence. Um, and he was like... You know, we'll explore that over the next episodes. Like, will she tell Voight? Like, when will she tell Voight? Like, what does it mean when she tells Voight? Um, you know, and he says we'll get into that in episode 10 and 11. Um, and he says, you know, it's an interesting dilemma. The pregnancy is the best thing that ever happened to her and also the most confusing thing that's happened to her. So are we in it for the long haul here? I feel like we are. And like, I, I feel like, too, like, you know, she told us or she told you that she tells Kevin we see her tell Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if they're telling everyone too, hmm. I don't, I just feel like, but does that make sense? Like, I just feel like if we're going through all of this stuff, we're not going to go through all of this like dilemma and then not have like have her miscarry. Right. Like, I just feel like if we're going all through all of this now, then, and they decide to ultimately keep it, then we're having a baby. Hmm. Like, I just can't imagine them going through all of that and then, like, five months in, however many episodes that is, but, like, five months in, like, her miscarry or whatever, however many months. I'm just thinking of numbers, but, like... Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because, like, every other time we've seen a character pregnant, so I'm basically thinking about Gabby and I'm thinking about April, there was no real dilemma in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant. And then, like, you know, then they ultimately miscarry. Yeah. So. But this is the first time we've seen it on PD. We haven't seen a PD pregnancy. Right. That's true. Huh. I, like, I feel stressed out for Kim. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I just, it's a big decision. Yeah. I just think that quote from her guy is so interesting, that the pregnancy is the best thing that's happened to her and also the most confusing thing that's happened to her. But also, like, when she has the baby, I mean, what happens? Does Nicole take care of the baby? Well, she's like, I, I mean, I just, I have questions. I just. Well, I mean, take care. I, I'm just wondering how this is going to work. 
I mean, I think it can work. I mean, there are, you know, tools did it. Tools are really tools did it. Theoretically. Just a lot. Yeah. Any other notes on PD? No, but I I have a lot of feelings, and I'm I just pardon me. Although I'm, I mean, I'm gonna be all up in my feels next week because it's a big J episode, and you know, potential upset, and I don't know. But like, pardon me, doesn't want to wait for. I like want more of this pregnancy storyline. Just like, can we skip to episode ten, please? Right, right. I'm I'm nervous for the mid season finales. I'm like I'm I'm so nervous. Yeah, I mean, like I'm nervous. I'm excited for some of them for the potential of, you know, like, upset next week. Like, I'm excited for that. Um, but, yeah. I'm just, like, especially when it comes to PD. I'm just, like, can we skip to episode 10, please? Just don't don't hurt him. Don't hurt him too badly, please. Yeah. Like, can we go back to the pregnancy thing? Okay, thanks. <laughs> so, as always, shyhards, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. It's meetusatmollies at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you made it all the way to the end of this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that as it does help other shyhards find the pod. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at BrynaK13. So you'll hear from us twice this week because obviously you're hearing this on Monday. You'll hear from us again on Friday with our episodes covering the mid-season finales, which, like, brace yourselves. I'm terrified. Well, I also can't believe we're already at mid-season finale. I know. Where the hell has this year gone, right? I also feel like this is the only... I don't remember what happened last year, but I feel like this is the only time we've ever gone, like, nine straight weeks in a row. True. Like, it was kind of amazing. So that means it's been a year since fire, like you were saying. It's been a year since the man said wedding, and it's been a year since Antonio shoved that guy out the window. Oh, God. TBT. Right? Not the best oh. of TBTs, but yes. Oh, how things have changed. I know. I know. So, yeah, you'll hear from us twice this week. Otherwise, everybody have a good week, and we will see you in a few days. Bye.